Uh, good morning. You can turn your Bibles, please, to uh, Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. It's great to see everybody. Uh, we're very glad to get to be here. For one reason, where we live in New Jersey, it was 30 degrees and a lot of snow this week. But even more than the weather, we're glad to be here. We uh, try to get out here at least two or three times a year to see Brian and his family, but we don't, don't always get to be here on Sunday. So we're glad to uh, be here today. I bring you greetings from the New York Church. It's great to be with you guys. Some of you we've known a long time, different places over the years. Andy and Karina Wingy, uh, we were very, very close friends with and still are, but uh, all the time together in Colorado more than 25 years ago. And uh, they look the same. I know I don't, but amen. Uh, definitely, we're glad to be with Brian and his family. We're just so proud of Brian. I was thinking uh, as we were singing, I Need Your Love, that obviously Brian wrote. Uh, Mary Lou has a little cassette tape she made of Brian when he was about two. And he was supposed to be going down for a nap. And she had the cassette player by the door. And he was singing, Hiya, Yuya, Bind the Glory. <laughs> Some of you know that song. We, it's a great song. He's come a long way since then. <laughs> and we are very, very uh, proud of him and, and glad to be with you. And it's just great to think that, you know, disciples are worshiping God all over the world today. I looked at my, my uh, phone. It's uh, afternoon in New York. Most all the groups have met already. There are places on the other side of the world where it's not even quite Sunday yet. And it's just uh, inspiring to know that Christians are gathered throughout the world to worship God. And certainly we here in the U.S. has been mentioned already. Uh, glad we get to celebrate with uh, a Thanksgiving season and time and uh, just to be able to enjoy the blessings that God's given us living here in the United States. And uh, if you happened to go to a mall yesterday, it looks like you made it alive out of there, but <laughs> it's definitely not where I wanted to be. Uh, it is great to be here. You know, uh, I don't know how all of a sudden we got to this place in life. Mary Lou and I are being married 45 years and having three grown kids and nine grandchildren. And it all happened really fast, it seems like. Uh, week before last, I was going in a Panera Bread. Yes, we have them where we live too, everywhere. And uh, a middle-aged woman was several steps ahead of me, and she saw me, and she stopped and held the door open for me. <laughs> and in my heart, I was very insulted. <laughs> I thought, I'm, I must look a lot older than I feel. I mean, I did reluctantly say thank you, but anyway. One of my favorite roles in life is being granddaddy to the three kids here. As many of you know, we have two daughters also. They both have three kids. One of them lives across the river from where we live over in Long Island. One of them lives very near us, and we're around them a lot. And uh, something that happened several years ago now had a real profound impact on me and how sometimes it's interesting how you can see something with new eyes. You can see something afresh. Our granddaughter, Hannah, is nine years old now. This, she was probably three or four at this time, several years ago. She was going to spend the night at our house. And at that time, she generally slept 
on a mattress on the floor at the end of our bed. And so as we were talking about coming over, I said, so you're going to sleep in my room tonight. And she said, well, no, it's grandmother's room. And I said, well, it's my room too. She said, no, you sleep in grandmother's room. My dad sleeps in my mom's room. She started naming people. Arda sleeps in Angie's room. John sleeps in Sabre's room. Damon sleeps in Michelle's room. It's grandmother's room. And I started thinking about how profound that was. What bedroom of a couple ever looks like the man? There are no bowling trophies in there. I mean, I, you know, my girls gave me a few years ago one of those clocks and that has, from this one has muscle cars on it instead of the numbers. And you know, when it gets to a different uh, one, two, three, it's rum, rum, rum. Anyway, do you think, where do you think that is? Do you think that's in our bedroom or downstairs in my office? I have a New York Giants pendant on the door. Bedroom downstairs in the office. I'm sure if I made a big case of it, Mary Lee would let me put it in the bedroom. I thought about, you know, my clothes, they're not in our room. They're downstairs in the basement in the closet. It truly is grandmother's room. I get to visit every night. And I thought, this little girl saw something in a way I'd never seen it before. <laughs> and I want to hope, I hope, cause you to think about something. Maybe you've thought about it before, but maybe a, a little different perspective this morning. That's kind of the introduction. You know, we could take a quiz and see how many of you could, hopefully most of you can name the books of the Bible. Amen. I hope we still learn the books of the Bible. Amen. Maybe you can name the kings of Judah. We can do Saul, David, Solomon, maybe Rehoboam. It gets kind of sh shaky after that, doesn't it? Anybody name the 12 spies? I can't name the 12 spies. Joshua and Caleb, those are the ones we know. Okay, here's something you know. I know you know this one. Even after too much turkey and all that stuff. All right. What's the greatest commandment? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We know the answer to that one. And when you look at this place in Mark 12, here's where we find the story. Mark 12, beginning in verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important one? This was a question the rabbis often debated with each other. Of all these 600 commandments plus, which is the greatest one? And so they thought, here's somebody who may have the answer. So they asked Jesus, and it seems as though without hesitation, he answered. Verse 29, the most important one answered Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher. The man replied, you are right in saying that God is one. There's no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, to love your neighbors yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. We know this commandment, love God with everything. But what's so profound about it? Have you ever stopped to think that this charge, this command is only in the Bible three times? And twice are the same story. Moses said it in what we call Deuteronomy 6. The Lord's one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus repeated it here and in Matthew chapter 22. But that's the same story. If it's the most important thing, why isn't it in there more? I mean, there are some passages that talk about what happens when we love God. Jesus said, you know, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Paul quotes from the Old Testament to the Corinthians and says, talks about the things God's prepared for those who do love him. But as far as this specific statement, this command, love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And Jesus put his stamp on it and said, this is the most important thing there is. If it's the most important thing there is, why isn't it in there more? Why isn't it on more pages? If you and I had been writing the Bible, if some preacher has been writing the Bible, Steve and I, we would have had this thing on more pages. Church, remember, you're supposed to love God. Turn the page. One more page. Remember, you're supposed to love God with everything because that's how we think. Here's the thing. I don't know the answer to the question in one sense why it's not on more pages. Here's my conclusion, though. Yes, loving God is a command. But more, it's a response. Appreciate the things David shared about grace. It's not, you know, it... it, (laughs) It can get a little freaky because love God, okay, let me, love God, okay. I'm not sure if I do. How do I know if I do? It's really a response. 1 John 4, 19 says, we love, why? Because what? He first loved us. Because he loves us, we love. We love him back. What is consistently in the Bible, not the command to love God, but how much he loves us. I mean, that starts with Genesis. Why did God make man and woman? Why did he make man first? 
If God's love, I believe he had to have an object for that love. He loves man. Why did he make us different from animals? So that we can think and reason and have an eternal soul. Because he loves us. Why did he make woman? It is not good for man to be alone. Amen. <laughs> he loved man. He said, oh, that poor guy needs some help. <laughs> she wasn't always the help she could have been, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> God loved him. I mean, you talk about the first the dysfunctional families, you know, they got one brother killing the other brother. But God loved Cain. Cain was nervous about what was going to happen with, I don't even know where those other people came from. Let's don't get into all that stuff. But God said, I'm going to put a mark on you so nobody, nobody hurts you. Because I'd still love you in spite of what you did. And you go on, you go on and look at the, the, the history of the people who became the Israelites, the Jewish people. God's love for them that is so abounding in patience. And his persevering with them. One of the most uh, challenging and inspirational books to me is the, is the writings of the prophet Jeremiah. Because, I mean, this guy, oh, my one time he says, I've been preaching to you for 23 years and nobody's listened, but I'm going to keep on. I think, oh, my, good. I think I would have maybe said I need another profession <laughs> by then. But in the midst of this very challenging message to God's people about the punishment that was going to come to them because of their sins, God stops and says, but you know, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And there's going to be a better ending to this story. God wants us to love him because he loves us. He wants us to love him back. I don't think he wants it to be this command in the sense that, okay, every page. I, you know, you think about just human relationships. There's something wrong with our relationship, Mary Lou and me, if every day she has to say to me, you know, Ephesians 5 says you're supposed to be loving me. <laughs> Let me remind you again. Well, it's been a few hours since I mentioned it. Let me remind you again, you're supposed to be loving me. It really doesn't work that way. shouldn't work that way. It is a response. You know, <laughs> a few years ago, I was talking to one of those brothers, you know, just a great friend. It's just great to have friends you can always be completely real with. And... Uh, I don't know, I was probably grumbling, complaining about something, but he said to me, he said, you know, there's something I've noticed. You never seem to be mad at your wife. Uh, hmm. It's not that there are not those moments. <laughs> not that she would ever do anything to make me mad. Or if she did, I wouldn't tell you anyway. But I really thought of something that happened in my mind that I had never analyzed before. 
look, we've, we've been married 45 years. We know each other. We know the ways we still annoy each other, and they're just not going to change until heaven, maybe, I hope. <laughs> but I realized that when something happens that is annoying, this thought process goes through my mind that really I, I'd never analyzed before how it happened. I start thinking about how much she has loved me over the years. I start thinking about the times when I was really a very lousy, hurtful husband, and she loved me anyway and was patient and believed in me. And I think, how can I be mad about this when there's all that? That is not because I'm so awesome. It's because she's so awesome. And just patient, you know, some of you, oh my goodness, I have this, pro it probably borders on some kind of mental disorder about <laughs> liking to get places early. And by early, I mean like, you know, a half hour before you're supposed to be there. And don't ask Brian, I just had to really work on it when the kids were growing up and not being, anyway, that's a whole nother story too. This isn't about parenting. Forgive me, Brian. But you know what? I just think, Mary Lou just accepts that. Wherever we go, you know, we'll get someplace and I'll say, oh, wow, we got it. The traffic wasn't as bad as I thought. We got here really early. She just smiles. She has her book to read. Or she has her phone to catch up on texts and things. She's just accepted that that's just who I am. Amen. Because that's love. What are we saying? God lavishes his love on us. Don't you love that? The way 1 John says it. God lavishes his love on us. And our loving him is just the natural response, unless our hearts get hard. Oh, this overwhelming love. You know, that's throughout the New Testament. Look at Ephesians for a moment. I appreciate Ephesians chapter 1. If you are visiting here today, I mean, we want you to know that we are a fellowship of churches who really do take seriously being disciples of Jesus. And without trying to be self-righteous or judgmental, we've got to recognize that, that much, probably most of what's called Christianity in our world is very wimpy and watered down. Because really being a follower of Jesus means our lives change in radical, dramatic, drastic ways. And the Bible talks about this. Boy, you can read through Ephesians. You're going to get to some very specific, practical things of what it means to follow Jesus and what it means to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, therefore. But that's not where Paul starts. He starts with how much God loves us. Because that's the foundation of it. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He chose us in Him 
before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. In accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. In accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Paul makes this amazing point. That God in love adopted us. That also is a very profound concept. I hope if you were adopted, you appreciate it and realize how much somebody wanted you. The time, the money, the effort, the energy that it took, it's an amazing thing. It's a very beautiful, special thing. But think about it for a minute. I have a very good friend uh, where we live in New Jersey, Dave Mitchell. Dave knows him out here. Uh, he's got two sons. One's a freshman in college and one's a sophomore in high school. They're both Christians, a little girl, nine years old, whom they adopted from Guatemala several years ago. She was uh, about two. Suppose it had worked this way. Dave and Margie had gone to the adoption agency to try to adopt the little girl who's now a lair. And the agency said, tell us about your family. Well, we have two, two boys. They were, I don't know, five and eight or so at the time. Here's how it works. In order to adopt, you give us one of your children. Which will it be? You think they would have accepted that? I don't know if you got kids every once in a while there's a day when you give them to anybody who would ask for them. <laughs> but overall, you wouldn't make that exchange. Especially if it meant give them up to die. Isn't that what God did? What did it cost for him to adopt us? The exchange was the life of his own son. That's why we respond in saying, we love you with everything. Look what you did for us. And Paul goes on in this letter and, and talks about our being dead and God's made us alive. And, and uh, over in chapter 3, where he, he talks again about our understanding something we'll never understand. Uh, as we sang about a few moments ago in that song, Amazed. Paul says, beginning in the, in the middle of the sentence, actually, verse 17 of chapter 3, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul says, I want you to understand something that surpasses knowledge. How much God loves you. How much Christ loves you. And then we respond 
I appreciate Promise sharing about the two studies that meant the most to her. You got that right. <laughs> Light and darkness in the cross. Oh, my goodness. We see who we are before God, and then we see his love. You know, this was Paul's motivation. He wrote the Corinthians. We know the verse. Christ's love controls us, compels us, depending on what translation you read. Galatians 2.20. Years ago, we used to sing a song from Galatians 2.20 in the Revised Standard Version. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. It is the love of God that causes us to be who we are and want to be who we're trying to become in following Jesus. Why doesn't God say page after page after page, love me, love me, love me, because page after page after page, he says, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. You know, that's why we need to stay in touch with how much God loves us. That's going to keep us going. Some of you have been Christians for a long, long time. What keeps us going? The cross, the love of God. Some of you are young, trying to decide whether to become Christians or not. It's not about choosing this lifestyle over this lifestyle. It is, but it's way more than that. It's about sin and the love of God who rescues us. And that's what will keep us going till the last breath we take. You know, that's why we take communion, isn't it? To remember the cross, remember the love of God. Remember what happened? That's why we stay in the Word. That's why I got to get up every morning and get my cup of coffee and sit in my chair and read my Bible. Or I get thinking like me again. I had kind of a dramatic emotional moment. I had this overstuffed rocking chair that I'd been sitting and praying in for 15 years and all the stuffing had come out and I had to buy another chair and I put it out on the street for the garbage men to pick up. And I saw him picking it up and putting it in the back of the truck. I thought, I can't watch this. <laughs> My praying chair. I'm just, I'm getting used to the new one. But I got to stay in the Bible and get connected again with the love of God. I've got to pray. I've got to pray, like Paul says in Philippians 4. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, regard your hearts and minds. Because when I start being thankful, it doesn't take long before we get to the love of God, does it? And the grace of God and the mercy of God and the plan of God for our lives. What is it for you that helps you stay in touch with God's love? Maybe some special verses. I hope you have some verses you go back to. Okay, these always are going to get me in a better place. You know, generally they, they have something to do with the love of God, don't they? Sometimes it's people. I definitely feel the love of God through the people that love me, through Mary Lou and through our children and, and through the, the brothers and friends in my life. We got to... No, oh yes, God loves me. That's why I love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
It's a hard command to just put into practice. Without the why, without the foundation, without the realization, it is a response. It was always a response. When Moses gave it in Deuteronomy, it was a response to the love God had shown the Israelites, had shown them in bringing them out of Egypt. And that there was one God. That first part of it, hero Israel, the Lord is one, doesn't mean as much to us as it did to them who lived in this multi-polytheistic uh, world. And Moses said, no, there's one God who brought you out of Egypt. Love him. I have an, an assignment for you. If you have a piece of paper, I know some of you, I don't know, you're doing something electronically besides paper, but... You know, a couple of questions to think about this week and, and maybe write out. They're similar but different a little bit. I feel loved by God because. Res responses to that one. Not now, but today, tomorrow. I feel loved by God because. Because you got to make it personal. And the second question is very related, but it, it's a little bit different focus. I feel loved by God when? I feel loved by God when? I feel loved by God because I feel loved by God when? This is the greatest commandment. And certainly it is equated with obedience. Loving God means obeying God. And again, if, if, if you're here studying the Bible, we don't want you to miss the motivation. It is the cross. It is the love of God. But it does become practical in how we live and how we respond. And if you're stuck, if you're stuck studying the Bible, if you're stuck spiritually, maybe after a lot of years, we go back to the cross. We go back to the fact, God loves me. And nothing else really matters. And I'm responding to that. Maybe you need to make some decisions that are responses to the love of God. What are we saying today? Jesus' answer was so quick. The greatest commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he never said that again. But he went to the cross. And said, here's how much I love you. Here's how much God loves you. Be amazed by it. And let it cause you to respond like, God, here I am. Everything I am is yours because of how much you love me. Amen. <clears throat>